0: Well, as everybody knows, we've been, uh, talking about the blessed life, what it takes to walk in the blessed life, uh, always like to clarify a couple of things before we get started about the blessed life and the difference between the old covenant blessing and the new covenant blessed life, shall I say. The blessing is the same just as the curse is the same, but, uh. The Old Testament was obtained by strict obedience to the law. In the New Covenant, we understand since Jesus died, he paid the price for all those wrongs, right? Hallelujah, that's good news. So it's by faith that we enter in to the blessing in the New Covenant. But then we decided also that faith doesn't nullify obedience in any way, shape, or form. Obedience is still vitally important as a matter of fact, we can be blessed in Christ to small degrees but be but do things that hinder the the blessing walking in the fullness of the blessing you know there's a fullness of blessing there's a you know that's a good way to put it there is a fullness of blessing, and then there's just being blessed and being saved in in Christ. look if you're in Christ, you're blessed but How many of you know that he wants us to grow and learn in the grace? Yeah, thank you, John. Here we go. These are the new ones right here. We don't have any fill-in-the-blanks, but I left, hopefully, I left some space in there for you to scribble down some notes around each one of these hindrances. Now, does anybody remember what we talked about last week in the part one of Hindrances to the Blessing? (laughs) <laughs> Pastor nailed it. The, we spent the whole evening on the religious spirit last week. And there was it's worth listening to again. I, I tell you, I listen to the the podcast, and I, I continue to get stuff out of this stuff. I, I, I get stuff out of these lessons when I put them together. I get stuff out of them when I, I you know, uh, listen to them again. And how many of you know that's because... The word is living, yes. right? It's living and active, amen? So there's, uh, there's degrees of blessing, and I don't know about you, but I want to walk in the fullness of the blessing. And I believe walking in the fullness of the blessing also means that we're walking in the perfect will of God. That's, you know, that's another thing. We, that might be worth writing down if you're taking notes. Uh, you're going to find the perfect will of God for your life in the fullness of the blessing. That's where you'll find the perfect will for your life. See, you know, because God has a permissive will, which is a real big area. <laughs> but he's got a perfect will, too, because the Bible talks about, even in the, as far back as the Old Covenant, in uh, Psalms 139, Ephesians 2.10, these all talk about before time began. He had your name written in the book. He was thinking of you. Your days were planned ahead of time. That's his perfect will. And we'll find that if we we'll walk in the fullness of the blessing. If we're not walking in the fullness of blessing, we're likely to miss that perfect will of God for our life. Doesn't mean we're going to go to hell. It just means like pastors preach so many times, we'll be living way below the standard that that uh, and the means that Jesus provided when he died and rose again. Hallelujah! So we spent the whole week talking about the religious spirit and how that leads, manifests in so many ways, you know, and judgmental, critical spirits. You know, the church is full of judgmental people, critical spirits, critical, suspicious minds, critical of the gifts of the spirit. And uh, I don't know about that tongues. That tongues is of the devil. You know, when you hear someone say that, you know they got a religious spirit. Uh, so, there's just so many things that, we, and, and we talked about how, you know, the religious person with the religious spirit is easily offended. Uh, you just challenge their theology the slightest bit and they don't have answers and they get offended and they walk around with a chip on their shoulder and they, you know, they got a religious spirit. And they're going to be extremely hard to reach. People with the religious spirit are extremely hard to reach. Uh, the Pharisees are the prime example of that religious spirit. So we're talking about people who profess to be believers. Now, in the, uh, the Pharisees, we would say in the Old Covenant, you know, believer is a different type of believer. But when Jesus came and was standing before them, they didn't recognize him because of that religious spirit. And that was one of the things we talked about last week, that religious spirit will keep you blind to truth. It keeps you blinded to spiritual truth. keeps you easily offended. You, you look down your nose and judge other people. It's just all these manifestations. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, you, you, you'll, you'll eventually fall into religious hypocrisy because what the religious spirit will convince you of is that you're something when you're nothing. And that you're elevated above somebody else. But we all come from the same position. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And uh, so the religious spirit wants to get in there and get all that stuff all messed up. Now today, we've got about 11 or 12 things here that are hindrances to the spirit. And then next week will be our last lesson on uh, walking in the blessing. And we're going to wrap this thing up. But today we'll wrap up part two of hindrances to the blessing. And if you'll notice on the top of your paper there, the first one I listed is just kind of a general, uh, this is real generic, sin. (laughs) Sin will keep you from walking in the fullness of the blessing. It It won't keep us out of hell if we'll confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, right? Once we get saved, we're going to heaven. We're not talking about that. We're talking about not walking in the fullness of the blessing. If I've got, and I've written down some things here, hidden sin. If there's hidden sin in my life and or vices, I've got a gambling addiction, I've got a porn addiction, uh, well, guess what? You're not going to walk in the fullness of the blessing with those types of things in your life. You, you may be hiding them from... Uh, from others that you fellowship with, but you're not hiding it from God. Now, while I'm on that subject, I want to I just verify something uh, about Holy Communion. Here's a prime example of the religious spirit and Holy Communion. See if this bears witness with you, Pastor. The Holy Spirit showed me this a couple of months ago. I've been meaning to tell you next time you give communion, I wanted to have about 10 minutes. But I'm just going to take the liberty right now. One of the big things that I see in the church, and I never realized this until the Holy Spirit showed me, is when people refuse communion. Uh, I don't know that we'll go there. Well, I, I will. This is, we're going to just jump off to First Corinthians chapter 10. This is totally off the cuff here, Pastor. You don't have to go there on the screen. But First Corinthians 10 and 11 talk about it. If people who refuse communion... Now, there's two reasons for that. One reason may be just bad teaching. They've never been taught what I'm about to share with you. Uh, Two could be they've got a religious spirit. Uh, And here's what I mean. Uh, In chapter 10, verse 1, um, well, when... When he's talking about taking bread, here it is. For we, verse 17, for we, though many are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. Let's see. I'm going to back up to 16. The cup of blessing which we bless is... Is it not the communion of the blood of Christ, the bread which we break? Is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, though we are many, we're one bread. In other words, what he's saying, and a lot of uh, churches sometimes they'll pass a loaf of bread around, a a baked deal, and you just pick a little off. That's more symbolic of what it was in in the days of Jesus because that loaf is us. That loaf is the body of Christ. It's not a bunch of separate little things, and then each person takes a little piece off of that. There were many, but the the signifying is we're one body, and we all have our place in that body. It's unity with each other, and then unity with Jesus. It's a special, intimate moment of recognizing this unity with each other as the body and the head. One with the head, this unity. That's what communion is all about, unity. Even Judas was offered communion. Now, we give an open communion table here for that reason. Because we're told to everyone, and he goes on, I don't have time to get into all the teaching, but he says so that we all may be partake. That's why we wait, you know, that we can all be one And partake together. And so it's a symbol of unity. Well, what the devil wants to do, now, he wants to get in there and get the unity messed up. And so someone's not taking communion. And that breaks the unity. It's designed to bring us together, not abstain. Well, why is he abstaining? Okay, two reasons. Like I said, either bad teaching or he's got a religious spirit. A lot of times it's because, well, I've got unforgiveness in my heart. That's all the more reason to take it. I've got a, 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 a porn addiction. I know when I leave here today, I'm going to go and I'm going to watch porn tonight. So I'm not going to take. That's all the more reason to take. That's why we call it the meal that heals. Now, it goes on to say in 11 here that he who takes it unworthily drinks judgment on himself. That's why they don't take it. But see, what they don't understand is None of us are worthy to take communion. What, what he's saying is he, what it means to take communion in an unworthy manner. And If you'll read the context here, you'll see that there were people making a party out of it. Not even thinking about what Jesus did. And there was poor people over here who by the time the loaf got around to them, all the rich people were spilling the wine and taking all the bread. There wasn't enough for everybody. And they're not even thinking about what Jesus did. I don't know about you, but I've never been to a church, ever, in all my years of belief. And I've never been to a church where someone I believe is taking it that way. People, to take it reverently, and, and as long as we take it reverently, if I do have an alcohol addiction, and I'm not, I know I'm not going to take because I know I'm going to leave here and I'm going to drink again. No, you need the healing. You need healing. You need to confess your sin at that moment when we're quiet and say, Lord. I'm not worthy to take this, but you broke your body. You encouraged me to be one with you. I'm asking you to heal me and forgive me of my sin. And we partake of that. Supernatural power will come on you. But see, the devil doesn't want that. The religious spirit doesn't want that. So it's it's one of those two things, either bad teaching or no teaching on that subject. We need to verify the context of chapters 10 and 11 is taking... Communion in an unworthy manner is not even thinking about Christ. Indulging in a party type of atmosphere in church. Has nothing to do with your sin in your life. There's not one reason what I'm getting at. If you're a believer in Christ, there's no reason in the whole wide world why you should refuse communion. Ever. If we want healing and forgiveness of sins... That's all the more we want to take communion. Just observe what Christ has done and ask for forgiveness and healing. That's the whole picture there. But that's a good example of, of, of uh, hidden sin or vices. Don't uh, Sexual immorality, of course, and all this homosexuality, lesbian stuff, all this transgender stuff, all of it. If, if, and not, you don't even have to partake of it if you're condoning it. If you're going down and marching in gay parades trying to show your support, you're not going to be walking in the blessing, the fullness of the blessing. It's just that simple. Um, And adultery. I put that down there. In other words, the living together thing. That's adultery. In God's eye, it doesn't mean you're going to hell again. It means that you're keeping yourself from God lavishly blessing his best on you. Because we're living with someone when we really, you know what? We, we should find a way, if I love this person. I, I don't know about you, but when I fell in love with Pam, I found a way to make sure she could be with me all the time. Whatever it takes. I'm going to do it because I want to take care of you. I love you. I want you to be with me all the time. That means i got to make some changes in my life. So be it. Amen? It's not complicated. This isn't rocket science. If you love somebody and two people love each other, they find a way to make it work. And if we're Christians, we find a way to make it work in a godly fashion. Otherwise, we're just blowing smoke saying we're believers. when You may well be, but you're certainly not going to walk in the fullness of the blessing. Okay. So, that's... Okay, and I've got an answer for each one of these as well. If you want to write down notes, the answer to this is simple. Repentance. If I have sin in my life, hidden sin in my life, all these things, repent. Ask the Lord to forgive you. And he is faithful and just to cleanse you. Amen. The blood of Jesus washes away all sin. Did you need one of these? So, uh, man, i tell you what. The blood of Jesus... We need to understand this. It doesn't cover your sin. It removed it. It washed it away. It washed you clean, white as snow. So you're already, when you when you became a believer, you positioned yourself through justification and his righteousness. You positioned yourself for the best of God's blessing. The fullness of the blessing. Doesn't mean you're gonna get it. But you've positioned yourself. You've come into the blessing and you've positioned yourself to receive the fullness of the blessing. Hallelujah. Ooh, that'll preach right there. So repentance is the answer. Number two, unbelief. Unbelief, of course, is going to keep us from God's best. Let's go to our scripture here in Matthew 13. Wow. When Jesus had come to his own country... He taught them in their synagogues so that they were astonished. And they said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brother James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all these things? So they were offended. see there's the religious spirit, isn't it? There's a manifestation of the religious spirit. They were offended at him, but Jesus said to them, "A prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house, and they did not do he did not do many mighty works there. Why? because of their unbelief so it's that that religious spirit, in this case we see, caused them to get offended at the authority and the teaching that he had. Uh, another lesson to learn there is familiarizing, over-familiarizing yourself. Uh, we don't necessarily have to worry too much about that with Jesus because we weren't there to familiarize ourselves with Jesus as a man and, and a family. But we can do it with preachers and teachers and prophets and and evangelists and uh, right, right. Well, who, who's this guy? I, I know him. He's, he's, he's that guy who works down at the store on Saturdays. What's he? Now, be careful. God may have called him to preach the word. And if he did, and you're listening, and you're in earshot, guess what? That's a divine appointment. It's not a coincidence. Don't over-familiarize yourself. That's unbelief. Uh, love, I'm kind of jumping the gun, believes all things, though. If we're walking in the love of God, we're, we're quick to believe. But see, the religious spirit's critical. He's going to be slow to believe. So the answer, what's the answer to that? Have faith, man. Have faith. You know, as long as you're not gullible, you can be faithful and trusting in other people. And even if you got it wrong or missed it, as long as you're not gullible, God will <laughs> fix everything. If you're gullible and stupid and ignorant, you know, hey, you you could fall off into some bad areas by putting your trust or giving your heart or your ear to another preacher, especially these days with all the false preachers and teachers we've got. And the more, the closer we get to the the coming of Christ, the more these false teachers and preachers are going to rise and I'm telling you, it's going to get to the point. Don't forget what Jesus said in Matthew 24. Uh, he said, if, he, if the very elect, if it were possible, this, this, this deception is going to deceive even the very elect. Thank God it's not. I don't believe. If you're truly saved and you're filled with the Holy Spirit, I don't think it's possible for you to be deceived by the Antichrist spirit. I just don't believe it. Now, again, you may fall into some areas of deception, but that's why it's important to keep a repentant heart, have faith and love, and constantly be asking for the Lord's protection and the Lord's discernment about these things, and he'll, he'll be faithful. But if we're not asking, that's, man, that's something I pray all the time because Jesus said, take heed that you be not deceived. So I'm going to be taking heed. Lord, help me because when I'm deceived, I don't know I'm deceived. So I need your supernatural power and your hand guiding me and opening my ears to truth, closing them to falsities. Amen? That should be in our daily prayer, man, especially in this hour. So faith is the answer to unbelief. Complaining, number three. Boy, we all fall into this one. Now I chose this scripture because this depicts the psalmist describing the condition of God's people, coming out of bondage, going into the wilderness where they they complained and complained and complained and failed to receive God's best. How often they provoked Him in the wilderness and grieved Him in the desert. Yes, again and again they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember. Here's why. They didn't remember his power. The day when he redeemed them from the enemy. Wow. That's what complaining will do. If you complain so much, not only do you get into limiting God's ability to lavish his best on you and bring you into the fullness of his blessing, but it's because you're forgetting you you're putting so much energy and thought into what was and the failures and the fear of yesterday that you you Peter puts it this way uh that, that you can't see afar off this man who doesn't add all of these virtues to his walk cannot see afar off and has forget that he has been cleansed from his sins former sins James puts it this way he's like a man who looks in the mirror and then Goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. That's what happens when we're constantly looking back. We're complaining. We're fearful. We're not full of faith. Looking ahead, even though it may be uncertain, faith continues to keep going forward. Fear's always looking back and looking all around. And no, no, you're not going to walk in God's best that way. Now, the answer to these, this, uh, this attitude. Is discipline and wisdom. Discipline and wisdom is what's going to keep you from complaining all the time. And I didn't go through all the scriptures for these answers like I probably should have, but we just wouldn't have time to go through it all. How many think that we could use some discipline and some wisdom in our spiritual walk? And this is something that God, as powerful as God is, that I... I can tell you right now, he, he that Terry, man, I tell you what he sure. <laughs> it takes all my power just to curve him a little bit. But it takes a long time to learn discipline sometimes. I mean, everybody's different. But I for me, I'm speaking for myself. I can't speak for others. It took me a long time, and I'm still learning. Uh I'm still undisciplined. I, I'm not as disciplined as I'd like to be. In my spiritual walk. and my spiritual habits. I'm improving. But I'm still not where I'd like to be. Unforgiveness will keep you. Number uh, four. Unforgiveness. And notice I put out there to the side. Anger. Rage. Hatred. They all fall into that same category. But unforgiveness especially. Uh, And I'm thinking. I didn't put this scripture up there. But we'll just mention it before we read our scriptures in Mark. In Hebrews, where he talks about uh, being very careful as to our walk, not being like Esau, uh, and so to to be repentant, true repentance. See, because he uses Esau's example of you know he 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 lost the blessing and sought it with tears, but it wasn't repentant tears. That was just tears of sorrow that he lost the blessing. It's not. He never changed his mind. He He never metanoia, never turned to a different way of thinking about the spiritual things of God. He still stayed fleshly his whole life. That's why the Bible says he hated Esau. Well, if Esau would have changed metanoia, if he would have changed his mind and his thinking about spiritual things and how important they are, God would have accepted that repentance. And he wouldn't have wrote that. So it tells us clearly that Esau and Judas alike never really repented. They did they, shed tears. But again, that tells us repentance is not shedding tears because you're sorry you got caught in a sin or something. Uh, you're sorry uh, that you even hurt the Lord. Judas was sorry that he hurt the Lord, but he never, he never thought differently to a place. No, he went and hung himself. He should have known after hanging out with Jesus for three and a half years that there was forgiveness there. But unforgiveness, and then he goes on to say in Hebrews there that take heed lest any root of bitterness springing up may defile many. So that's what happens when we get into unforgiveness. This root of bitterness will take take hold deep down in your spirit, and that's going to keep you from walking in God's best. And not only that, it's going to defile a lot of people around you because you can't find it in your heart to forgive. And sometimes it's hard. We've you know we've used this story I have many times, but it's just so appropriate that, man, uh, you know, Pam's dad uh, abused them badly in every way that you could be abused horrible uh, childhood her and her sister and her brother and so they carried those problems into their adulthood messed them all up man I mean it messed them all up and they're still seeking help you know her sister this was years ago went to the world's way of dealing with unforgiveness and he. He told her to go stomp on the grave and scream and yell and get it all out and pound and hate and do whatever you got to do, just get it all out. But Pam sought the Lord on it and had me drive her out to Midwest City one day to her dad's grave, and she stood out there and forgave, cried and forgave her dad. And she's free today. This other, you know, her sister still struggles with these things, still fights depression still it breaks my heart to see the church full of depressed people taking all these medications for depression uh beloved did i not be so god wants to heal those things and the only reason and a lot of, i guarantee a lot of these people it's just unforgiveness They need to forgive their abuser or the one who rejected them or whatever that thing was that caused this root of bitterness to spring up and this depression to arise. Not only that, when things like depression hit us, now the spirits are getting involved. Dark spirits are involved in this. It starts out just you're saved and it just starts out with a bad feeling, but if you let the root of bitterness take hold then dark spirits start getting involved and start taking control and oppressing this person. And many times it's just something as simple as you need to forgive. Numbers five, oh, well, and then, uh, okay, wait, let's, yeah, let's talk about this. <laughs> I love this. You know, everybody knows this. Surely I say to you, Jesus says, Whoever uh, says to this mountain, be removed, and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. You know, we've talked a lot about, remember how God will He'll judge us using our own words. Out of thou mouth shalt be condemned, or you will be delivered, you know, justified. So this is a prime example. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you're going to have them. Here's the part I wanted to get to. I love that title, Necessity of Forgiveness. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. Why? So that your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. Now look here. But if you don't forgive, this is sobering. Neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Again, this is that being in the same boat. Yes, we've got to get this perspective. We're all sinners We're all coming from the same perspective. Yeah, we may be at various degrees of spiritual maturity, but that means absolutely nothing. We're talking about the place where we come from and our approach to God. is not based on merit. It's not based on promotion. It's not based on your knowledge of God. It's based on your faith in Jesus Christ who took your punishment and did it all for you. Already provided everything. You, didn't, you couldn't do anything. You were helpless. We were without hope. Wow. Now, what's the answer to unforgiveness? Humility. That may sound like a weird answer, but it is true. Humility. Because unforgiveness is a pride issue. Look what that person did to me. How dare you hurt me like that? It, it, it's, hey, you're not the only person who's ever been hurt. <laughs> and Jesus, who never sinned, look what they did to him. But he wasn't out there saying that. No, he humbled himself. And though he didn't sin at all, just like the sheep led to the slaughter, he went on to the, the cross for you and me. Hallelujah. He was humble. Number five, not tithing. Not tithing. Now, again, we're not, you don't have to tithe. I love the way, I just, I was listening to Keith Moore the other day. It was so awesome. And he was talking about tithing. He goes, you don't have to tithe, but you don't have to have the windows of heaven open up and pour it out on you either. It's up to you. So, so here's the deal. And I agree. I don't ever get legalistic that Jesus fulfilled the law. And the tithing, I don't want to argue this point. I'm right. Tithing was part of the law. Yes, it was before the law with Abraham, but later it was incorporated into the law. And he said, bring the whole tithe in the law, the book of the law, to my storehouse. It's part of the law. Now, Jesus fulfilled the law. You and I, we don't have to tithe in order to please God. But if you want the windows of heaven to be opened up, let's read that. Will a man rob God yet you have robbed me? But you say, in what way have we robbed you in tithes and offerings? You are cursed with a curse. Now, see, this has changed in the New Testament. I'm going to say that much. But he says, you are cursed with the curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not, look here, open for you the windows of heaven and pour out a such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Wow. So... It may seem like you and I are cursed if we're not going to give. Because when we don't give, like, well, I'll say this. If we don't give at all, yeah, you're opening yourself up to this this curse that's already out here. You're kind of stepping out from under the blessing. Now, Paul put it this way. See, the tithe is the starting point. We really need to get to the place where we're giving above the tithe. But this is the starting point of the windows of heaven being opened. Now, Paul says, though, he who sows sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. So if you just, my suggestion is if you're not a tither, and I've spent many years even pastoring church not being a tither. I can testify. I know what I'm talking about. I've seen the difference. Uh, start giving a little bit, and you'll start getting a little bit back. And you're gonna, It's going to be difficult because you're going to have to learn how to exercise faith for that harvest. I'm telling you. It's harder to exercise faith for a harvest of little. Than it is to just put yourself under the blessing of windows. Just being poured out. It takes more faith for the other. See I love. Keith Moore's been teaching on this for weeks. Have you got to listen to any of this pastor or Keith Moore? It's been great. He's talking about how to harvest. And, and uh, sowing is the easier part. So he who sows sparingly, so it's easy for me to give a few bucks. That's easy. The hard part is reaping. And and, and here's where people miss it. Well, it's just, I did my part. I sowed. Now God's going to bring the, the increase. No. Is that the way it works in the natural? I mean, a farmer goes out and he sows his seed, which uh, it's not. I mean, it's it's involved. But... It's not near as involved as when harvest time comes, cranking up the combines, getting all these people together, going sweating your tail off in the hot summer sun, doing the work to get the harvest in, right? The Bible has a lot to say about the harvest. We've got to put faith in our harvest. Yeah, God brings it, but we've got to believe, and there may be some things that He requires of us to do to get that harvest. Amen? Amen. Just like there's some things, you got to crank up the combine. you got to hire the help. you got to do all those things. It's much harder harvesting than it is sowing. So, but if I want to move into he who sows bountifully, will reap bountifully, then the starting place is the tithe. That's when the windows get opened up and he starts pouring out. And that, that struggle of just staying right up here treading water, <laughs> Where I stayed so many years. Now I'm about down to here. <laughs> Believe me, I'm not I'm not, you know, where I'd like to be. But I've learned a principle. If I'll give at least ten percent, he starts pouring out extra. And I've witnessed that the last hmm, few years, probably. Only until recently, about three or four years. So the last couple of years, we've been really lucky and blessed by God that we were able to give over and above the tithe. Now, I'm not real religious about it. Some people take it to extreme. They make sure when they get that money comes in, the first thing they do is write out a check. and I respect that. That's first fruits and all that. I understand. But listen, just I'm looking at my bank statement at the end of the year, and now I'm looking at my giving that y'all give mail us out at the end of the year. And by golly, if it's, it better be at least 10%, I'm happy. If it's above 10%, I'm real happy. And then I know I've got some other places we give and sow into. You know, Brother Alex and some other things we sow into. So that's over and above our tithe. And God's able to bless that. But if we're not willing to do that, we're not going to be able to walk in the fullness of his blessing. Can you see that? And, and there's some of these other things that are involved in all this, like fear... You know, that comes later. but it, And I love how, uh, I think it's Ecclesiastes, says he who observes the, the weather, you know, the, the clouds, he'll never harvest. He'll never go, oh, oh look like there's a cloud out there. I better not crank up the combine today. <laughs> well, you do that, you're never going to get a harvest. You're never going to sow and you're never going to reap. If you're you're observing circumstances and weather conditions and things like that, no, if you're worried about how am I going to make ends meet. Look, my suggestion, it took me a long time to learn this. I've been worried about making ends meet my whole life. So (laughs) why why not just take the chance and God said, try me at this. You know, I'm struggling already. What have I got to lose? And that's sacrificial giving. That's faith-filled giving, not fearful giving. You know, Living Stones, I, I, I go into detail on all this. There's so many things that can mess it up. Because there are people who have tied their whole lives and they're still broke. And that's because they're not giving in faith. It they, they could be giving out of fear. They've been sitting under preaching saying you're cursed with a curse if you don't tithe. And they feel obligated. They're giving out of obligation or fearful giving or exactly it's the religious spirit will come in and pollute all of that so there's a lot to this but it's it's, it's more involved than what we have time to get into but the thing that's going to heal that the answer to tithing or failure to tithe is trust if you'll just trust God and pray man pray over your check pray when you give pray whenever we have our time here and like Lord Especially if it's like, man, Lord, I can't really afford this. But you told me. He lift his word up to him. You told me, Lord, in this word to put you to the test. Now, I got an electric bill I'd rather pay with this. And I'll be honest with you, Lord, I don't know what's going to happen. But I'm giving this. And I don't know. It may, he may allow it to get turned off. I don't know. But if you'll stick with it, if you'll stick with it, he'll start blessing you. Otherwise, he's a liar, and I know God is not a liar. But like I said, don't get all bent out of shape and start complaining or falling into one of these other areas if he allows your electric to get shut off. or Okay, so you missed that car payment. Now you're going to have to make it up. I, I've been there many times. If this isn't magic. God's not a genie in a bottle. He, if there's something in our heart that need, we need to learn a lesson, he's going to let you go through it. All right, we're running out of time. Fearfulness. 2 Timothy one seven. For God has not given us the spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You know, one of those translations says God has not given us the spirit of timidity. Timid. Which is quite different than fear, phobos. uh, Which I think is the Greek word there. But uh, timidity is an interesting word because you've got a lot of people say, well, I'm just a I'm kind of a And I'm I'm not an extrovert, I'm an introvert. I'm kind of shy. Maybe, maybe not, but that's you're skating on sketchy ground because that could just be an excuse to have no faith at all, to live a faithless life. And you just, you know, uh, excuses, you just make one excuse after another after another, there's always some reason why this didn't get done, you didn't do that. And, and it's just, I'm not that outgoing, I'm not an aggressive person. No, no, you're faithless. You know, uh, I don't know where I heard it, but the saying's always stuck with me. It say, he said that uh, excuses are the crutches of the uncommitted. You know, if you're committed to something, you're going to make sure it happens. You're, you're going to rise up, even if you all. There's nothing wrong with being reserved or a shy person. That's that's fine, but don't let it interfere with exercising faith in this. That's exact. The devil will take those traits, sometimes even godly traits, and he'll use them for his advantage. Don't don't let timidity, because timidity can really be cowardice. It's another word for timidity. <laughs> so. We need to be careful, and uh, the answer to that one is boldness. Boldness. Pray for boldness. Boldness to share. You know, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, when I first got filled with the Spirit, I was so excited, and, and uh, man, I shared with everyone I saw. And I've seen so many people get saved, and they're just they're they're afraid to even open their mouth about Jesus. Whew. Well, Jesus said, neither will I open my mouth and confess you before the Father, just like the unforgiveness deal. Man, this we cannot afford to let the devil fool us into these areas. God hasn't... And notice it's a spirit. Timidity could be a spirit. It may not be part of your personality. It may have been an oppressive spirit that's been on you for the last 20 years. All right? right? We, we've got to pray these things through, make sure... We understand what the word says and understand the reality of the situation. Why am I fearful of this thing? Am I timid or am I, am I bold? Am I, am I praying for boldness? It's okay to pray for boldness. Ignorance, number seven. I might go about five minutes over so tonight if that's okay with you all. Ignorance. Second Peter chapter 1, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge, there's your answer, of God and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through how he give, he's given it, y'all have heard me quote this many times, but how did he give it? Through the knowledge of him who called us. By glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. Hallelujah. That through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also, for this very reason, giving all diligence. Man, this stuff will preach for hours here. Add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge, self-control, and self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and they abound, or if you're you're walking in these things and continuing to learn and grow in knowledge of these things, then you'll neither be barren. Remember, we started out talking about Psalm 1. The blessed is the man who... Walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor, nor stands in the path of the sinner, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But he's like a tree planted by the waters, he's bearing fruit even in dry season. Neither will you be unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So we don't have time to get into this, but I want to go to the next one. We're talking about ignorance here. My people, God says, are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Man, this is powerful here. Some of our preachers today need to hear this. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also will reject you from being priest for me. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. Wow, we don't have time to preach that. But listen, we've we, we got a mantle that we're handing down to our children. When we raise them in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Hallelujah. I'll tell you, Kara with my little grandbabies, those girls, they can just spit Scripture out. I know that you're working with Sadie. This is awesome. This is what we need to do. This is what happens when we don't. It goes all the way to our generation below us and below them too. But, man, the answer to ignorance is knowledge. Knowledge. I cannot tell you how many people claim to be believers in Jesus Christ, and are just as ignorant as a box of rocks when it comes to the Bible. And they're not going to walk in the fullness of, of, of God's blessing. And listen, we're not just talking about money. There's a lot of people that got money. That, get that out of your head. We're not talking about money. As we've already covered this. That's, that's part of it, but you don't, you, you don't have to even be a believer to have great wealth. But you've got to be a believer walking in the blessing of God to have the kind of life that others look and say, I want to be like that person. I want what they've got. You know, you don't hear, I, I've never heard anyone say, oh, I want, I want, I want to be like Bill Gates. No, no, you don't. He's miserable, I guarantee you. He may have all the money on the planet, but he's so miserable. He's got to dabble in all these affairs. He's got no business or knowledge dabbling in just to keep recognition and and to be worshipped. But when you're walking in the fullness of blessing, you've got joy that people see. Man, there's something about this person that they've got joy in the midst of tribulation. What is it? They've they've got provision. When things get tough, somehow they're coming through it. I mean, all the things of the blessing of God, people want it. So, the answer to ignorance is knowledge. Number eight is pride. Proverbs Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. Better to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. Now let's go to our next scripture, Bev, that we added in there. It should be, yes, 1 Peter 5, 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed. With humility, because God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. So, if we'll be careful to humble ourselves, we're always going to be lifted up with the favor of God. He's going to favor us. But if we're going to be full of pride and self centeredness, when we come to approach God, we're going to meet with this resistance. So, the answer to pride, of course, is humility. Once again, we already, that was one of the answers to uh, unforgiveness as well. But humility goes a long way in a lot of these. Uh, number nine, if we're not walking in love, it's going to hinder your ability to walk in the fullness of the blessing. 1 Corinthians 13, everyone's familiar with this. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, And have not love, I have become a sounding brass or clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, some of the things we've been talking about here, right? All knowledge that though I have faith even, so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to the needy. Here we're talking about tithing and giving. uh, Though I give my body to be burned. But have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely. Love does not seek its own. It is not provoked. And it thinks no evil. does not rejoice in iniquity. That's a big one. But it rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there be prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Where there is knowledge, it will vanish away. So love never fails. If I'm not walking in love, if I can't learn to put the love walk on, I'm not going to be walking in the fullness of the blessing. It's just that simple. Let's see, number 10, idolatry. Matthew ten thirty seven. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who does love son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. And he who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Listen, if we're not that devoted, we're not going to enjoy the fullness of the blessing. God's got to be number one. He's got to be because listen quite frankly, notice the title here number ten if it, if we if that's not us we're in we're guilty of idolatry. I'm putting something ahead of God that's idolatry i'm 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 giving my attention, my allegiance to something more than I am God, that's idolatry. It's a form of idolatry. It may not be bowing down to a statue, which is a very rudimentary piece of idolatry. That's not what it's all about. Now, the answer to idolatry is obedience. In other words, what's the greatest commandment? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, right? And love thy neighbor as thyself. So we need, to, we need obedience to that law and that we don't have to worry about falling into idolatry if I'm obedient to the greatest commandment, to love him with my whole heart. He's number one. And there ain't nothing in this world I place above my wife except God and she knows that she feels the same way about me and you know what let me just say this if you've got a spouse that can't handle that you need to pray for them because that's bad news it's this is this is Christianity 101 if we can't put God first we might as well hang it up and finally An unrenewed mind, Ezekiel 24, 13. This is powerful here. I wish I had time to preach on this, Pastor. Maybe next week we'll go into this. Your impurity is your lewdness and the corruption of your idolatry. And Now listen, this is God saying this. I tried to cleanse you, but you refused. So now you will remain in your filth until my fury against you has been satisfied. This is speaking of the children of Israel who came out of Egypt, and you 've heard it many times before, this verse confirms it that God brought the children of Egypt of Israel out of Egypt, but they couldn't get Egypt out of them. They refused to, to, to purge Egypt from their hearts. God said, "I tried." I tried to renew your thinking. I, tried, I led you in the wilderness, pillar of fire at night, uh, the cloud by the day. I, I tried. I gave you water from the rock. I, I, I preached the gospel to you, the same gospel that we've got preached today, but you wouldn't have it. All you did was complain and moan and groan and break all these laws. Just refused to begin to think like a new creature. And if we can't, when we get born again, if we can't begin to renew our minds with this word, guess what? You're not going to walk in the fullness of his blessing. You may be okay. You may go to heaven when it's all over with. But you're not going to enjoy God's best, just like they didn't. They perished in that wilderness. They perished in that place that was so hard and so difficult and full of trials and serpents and scorpions that they could never overcome i don't know about you i don't want that life i don't want a tormented life for for the rest of my life until jesus comes and then i can go to heaven that's all and you know a lot of christians live their life that way well it's, it's real tough right now but in the sweet by and by boy well yeah But, man, Jesus died for much more than that. He died to lavish you with the best that he has to offer. He's given unto us all things. Amen? Amen. Father, we just thank you for your word tonight. It's our heart's desire tonight, Lord, to walk in the fullness of your blessing. So, Father, Holy Spirit, just teach us all of these things. Remind us of them often. And uh, help us and train us to walk in ways that are pleasing to you so that we can walk in the fullness of your blessing and be an influence to others, that we can bring others into the fullness of your blessing and and that other people all around this world can see how awesome you are and how good you are. I pray that you empower your church in these last days with gifts that will rise up lord that we can demonstrate the power of the gospel not just with words lord but with signs and wonders and with healings and miracles and deliverances and casting out demons lord all of the things that the apostles did we need it now more than ever show yourself strong to the body of christ today we crave it we want the fullness of your blessing lord give us a boldness that, that Peter and the disciples prayed after they returned from prison in Acts chapter 4, that there would just be a boldness fall on them, and that healings would break forth, Lord. And, and deliverance, that's our heart's desire tonight. And we'll share it with all that you bring across our path. And we'll make sure that you, Lord, get all the glory, and we continue to diminish in our presence, Lord. As you continue to fill us more and more daily. In Jesus name we ask these things. Amen. Love you guys. Be salt be light.